Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of 2 Thessalonians. We're currently in chapter 1 and verse 5. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading today in verse 5 of chapter 1 of the book of 2 Thessalonians, where Paul writes this. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. So then we begin in this particular paragraph talking about uh, the encouragement that Paul wants to give uh, these uh, Thessalonian believers in the midst of persecution. This entire chapter is all kind of centered around that theme of being persecuted. And uh, that includes the idea of waiting with courage. And that's uh, the entire chapter, except, of course, for the salutation in the first uh, two verses. But uh, then chapter two talks about uh, the prophetic aspects of how to anticipate some of the details yet to come in the future according to the prophetic scriptures and according to the revealed word of God about that future. And that prophecy has to do with, with waiting with composure. That's chapter two. Then chapter three is our third division. And uh, so it, uh, it happens that uh, in this particular book, the chapter divisions fall in line with what seems to be a thematic uh, approach to this book. And that third chapter has to do with the practice that believers carry on as uh, as a congregation, as a local church, uh, working with commitment. And that's chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Then there is uh, the uh, uh, customary signature at the end of the book, verses 16 to 18 of chapter 3. So, what we have already talked about uh, uh, in previous episode is that uh, of the thanksgiving that Paul has to give to God on the uh, on behalf of the Thessalonian believers, and evidently he's very close to these people, and he has such a strong affection for them, and in fact uh, they have shown such resilience in the face of this persecution that he, he gives thanks to God for them. 
And they're a, a very unique congregation because of how thankful God, uh, that is how thankful Paul is to God on their behalf. That's the way he began uh, his first epistle uh, to them. The first letter included thanksgiving to God on their behalf. So it's encouragement also for us to be the kind of congregation that uh, uh, the spiritual leaders would give thanks to God on our behalf rather than complain to God on our behalf. So, uh, uh, and, and he ended in verse 4, talking about the things that he thanked God for, included this. Verse 4, uh, verse four it says, uh, therefore, uh, your perseverance, uh, excuse me, therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. And so this has to do with their own endurance and biblical endurance and perseverance. Those words uh, are not just passive words of of uh, laying down and letting it happen kind of thing. Th- these are, th- these are a- an aggressive approach to persecution, and that is uh, not necessarily in, in rebellion, but in terms of we understand that there is some purpose that God is going to carry out and he will one day carry out that purpose and it will be revealed and uh, those who do the persecuting will be judged and that's where we find ourselves then in chapter 5 of that is verse 5 of chapter 1. So uh, it says, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. So there's something about God's judgment that is being revealed even while they are suffering persecution. That doesn't quite seem right, does it? Uh, it seems as though that if if the righteous are being persecuted, uh, that doesn't seem uh, like a revelation of God's righteous judgment. That seems like God's being completely unfair. After all, these people have have received Jesus. They have believed that he is God's son. They have believed that he died on the cross to pay for their sin. They have believed that he rose again from the grave. And you you would think that this would turn out to be a blessing. And yet, uh, you see, we have concocted ourselves in uh, uh, about the, the Christian life in ways that are completely not according to the scriptures. And that is, if we trust Jesus to be our Savior, we trust his blood to pay for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We trust his resurrection to give validation to who he was, the eternal son of God come in the flesh, paying the penalty for our sin as our substitute and satisfying God's judgment against us as that that substitute and also to be resurrected to give us the free gift of eternal life. You see, So that since we have believed those things, you see, the Bible doesn't promise us anything else except for the fact that the world that rejects that message is going to also be the world that persecutes us. They will belittle us. They will marginalize us. They will put us in a corner. They will, they will fail to recognize or appreciate our work or our, our promotion or give us the raises we, we might otherwise have deserved or maybe even give, uh, they may even uh, deprive us of the job that we we can do. Uh, there may be any number of ways in which our culture could turn against us. Why? Because we've believed the truth of the gospel of Christ. And so... Uh 
The fact that we are experiencing this persecution in some ways is a validation of that faith, a validation that we are who we are supposed to be. And uh, that's completely opposite the way that that sometimes we have been given this impression that if you just believe in Jesus, then everything is going to turn out all right. Well, it doesn't turn out all right, not in, not in terms of this earth and necessarily uh, um, in our experiences or our, our circumstances may not necessarily get better. They might get worse if it includes standing for Christ and then receiving from others the uh, the uh, the persecution that they would give to Christ uh, and uh, we are now his substitute in the world and so it says it's a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering now he's he's not laying out a new plan for salvation as if suffering is itself is the is the thing we need to do in order to get to heaven. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, we're not suffering for the kingdom of God in order to get into the kingdom of God. We are suffering uh, as members of that kingdom so that when we get there, we will fit in. And uh, that is, uh, that that's part of the purpose. And we will be a part of the company of Jesus that will, uh, uh, will have experienced the the uh, wrath of the world, the anger of the world, the, the bitterness of the world against Jesus has now been laid at our feet, have now been laid upon us. We are experiencing the things that Jesus experienced when he proclaimed himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. So if that is what you believe him to be, then you see you will receive some of the same treatment. And, uh, now, in many regards, in in some cultures, uh, there have there has has been given by the mercy of God uh, uh, real relief from uh, outright persecution. There are many believers around the world that do experience that. There are also many believers in various places that uh, have not received that kind of persecution because of whatever circumstances and. Uh, that is a uh, that is a very unique situation that really uh, was not promised by the Bible or by Jesus, but as it turns out, it is a, a blessing to uh, be a part of a culture that uh, uh, does not uh, outright persecute Christians, even though uh, in uh, many regards we have seen some uh, some of that starting to erupt in our culture, even from from those who are uh, in uh, political status or or law enforcement status that that uh, and or or other kinds of uh, situations where believers have been persecuted uh, in sometimes a very free culture and uh, yet uh, there has been those uh, those kinds of experiences by some and that is a taste of what many believers have to go through around the world in many regards so this is a plain indication that you're considered worthy you see there are other passages and other parallel uh, 
paragraphs, you might say, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, Paul says this to the Philippian believers, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that uh, whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but but of salvation for you, and that too from God. This isn't, again, this is not persecution in order to gain salvation. This is because we are saved from the wrath of God, then we will experience the wrath of man. And And that is a testimony that God will one day uh, judge those who persecute us. That's the point here. That was the point uh, uh, with the Philippian believers in that passage. Verses uh, 29 and 30 in Philippians chapter 1 continues on. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So we identify with Jesus, and by doing so, that means that we will face these things. We should not be surprised by those. Uh, we sometimes are because we we don't read the Bible correctly or rightly, or maybe we live by an impression that that some preachers or... or uh, gospel music uh, uh, or Christian worship music has given us that somehow that everything is just going to be blessed from here on out and and uh, uh, we won't have any more troubles. Well, the believing the believer in the Lord Jesus will also be counter to the direction of most God-rejecting uh, cultures. And because of that, then the believer is going to set himself in a position where he will be an outcast in that culture. But we are to be assured that uh, that God will one day judge those. And it says in verse 6, for after all, it is only just for God to replay, repay with affliction those who afflict you. God will make sure that all the wrongs will be righted. So we'll be back. Enjoy this musical interlude. Welcome back. We are uh, going to begin with uh, verse 7 here on this side of that break. It says, And to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. So you see, we anticipate there will be a future history on earth where God judges those who afflict the believers, to, who afflict uh, the followers of Jesus. And if uh, those uh, governments or those uh, people or those individuals uh, are, are guilty of, of 
afflicting the believers in Christ, then you see God will take uh, his own uh, um, vengeance, you might say, against them. And that is part of the work of God. It's not our our work to carry out vengeance for ourselves when it comes to being persecuted. This is God's work. It is an eventual work, but it is an inevitable work. And that will happen, not maybe tomorrow, not the next week, not uh, at the next election, or not uh, at the changeover of some regime. It will happen at the final regime when the Messiah returns to this earth. Then, you see, all those wrong will be righted. All those persecutors, persecutor, persecutors will be persecuted. And uh, that's what I'm trying to say. And so it says, for God will repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief uh, to you who are afflicted. That's when the relief will come. We may have to face all sorts of things between now and the time that Jesus is revealed. But, uh, but we can be assured that when he is revealed, he will do the job of uh, of protecting his sheep and of guarding us and uh, uh, giving uh, uh, wrath to those who afflicted us. And that's the promise here and to us as well. Paul is saying, I, we're included in this as well. So you see, Paul didn't live in, in some sort of ivory tower someplace. He, he didn't have some sort of headquarters office completely removed from the uh, work of God on uh, in the trenches, so to speak. He was down there with everybody else uh, in the trenches, preaching the gospel and suffering on behalf of them, sometimes going to jail on behalf of the name of Christ. And so he says, and, and so he's looking forward to this as much as anybody. It won't be in his lifetime, evidently, but it will be eventual and it is inevitable when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. And so Paul wants to paint this picture that Jesus will one day come back to this earth. He will be accompanied by angels. And you see, a lot of times in governmental positions, there are, there is a, a motorcade following the, the main vehicle that's that's carrying the diplomat or carrying the uh, king or the queen or the or the president or somebody else there is this motorcade well uh, Jesus is going to have an you know, what uh, what you might call an angelcade and that is and the the accompanying angels with him will return to this earth he will set his feet on Mount Zion according to the prophets and it will split in two he will exercise a judgment at that time that uh, is going to be revealed. And it is in flaming fire. This is not going to be a water flood, uh, even though uh, that has happened once already. We have been given a promise that uh, the water global flood uh, has been done uh, already once. And and yet uh, the second time around, it won't be that. It will be something else, and it will be a flame of fire, is what it says. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, there is a key word here that I do want to turn to where he talks about the uh, the idea of being revealed. And this is a, a misunderstood uh, uh, 
passage or, or a misunderstood word in many regards when the Lord Jesus is revealed because the Greek word uh, sounds familiar to us if I were to pronounce it even in Greek. It sounds uh, sounds like this, apocalypsis. And if you uh, recognize that, we are very accustomed to hearing the, the English word apocalypse. And uh, the English word apocalypse carries with it all sorts of implications because of our literature, because of our filmmaking, because of uh, many different reasons in which uh, we have used in the English world that word apocalypse. And it usually means great disaster and great catastrophe and and great amount of uh, global destruction. And uh, they use that term, apocalypse. What's interesting is in its original context and usage, uh, even in this passage, it doesn't refer to the catastrophe or necessarily directly to the judgment or to um, the destruction. It, It refers to the revealing of the Lord Jesus. That is the main object of that point of history. Isn't the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, disastrous uh, 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 cataclysm, but it, it is it is the revealing of the glory of the Lord Jesus when he returns to earth. That is what's behind the word apocalypse. And we are looking forward to that revealing, that revealing of the Lord Jesus when he comes and set his, sets his foot on Mount Zion. And uh, that is what we're looking forward to. If Jesus has returned to this earth, he has left uh, and he has departed. He is now absent except for the fact that he sent his Holy Spirit and he is present with us. When we gather in his name, he is with us because he's promised to be with us in the presence and the person of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But he is absent in his physical resurrected body, but he will one day return in that resurrection body and in the glory of that body. You see, the resurrection had one kind of power, but uh, he also uh, uh, maintained a glory within himself that he only revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration to those three apostles, uh, Peter, James, and John. And that was his glory revealed. And in fact, uh, the resurrection revealed a certain kind of supernatural power. That is true. But the the uh, it was the uh, Mount of Transfiguration Transfiguration, that revealed his glory. And when he does both and returns to this earth in his resurrected body and his glory, then you see that's when this judgment will happen. And uh, it says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 7, it says, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, you see there's that persecution, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Later on in that same chapter, verse 13 of 1 Peter 1, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this glory will one day be revealed and we will be a part of that because it says... um, who do not? It says, uh, dealing out retribution to those who do not go know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and and so there is going to be that judgment. 
You see, uh, uh, this is uh, not an, a, a well-accepted message, but those who do not trust Jesus to be their Savior, this is, this is going to be the result, uh, the final result. And especially here in this context, it has to do with not just rejecting the gospel per se, but about becoming the persecutors of those who do accept the gospel. And uh, and that's where the retribution is going to happen. Uh, and uh, it says, who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel. You see, the gospel has, has an invitation to believe on the gospel. Believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose again from the grave, and that he has given us the free gift of eternal life. That is the gospel, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, this is the work, according to John chapter 6 verses 28 and 29 it says therefore they said to him what shall we do so that we may work the works of God this isn't about earning heaven though look at this what Jesus answers in verse uh, 29 of John chapter 6 Jesus answered and said to them this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent and so those who believe that Jesus is the son of God come to this earth then uh, the first time are those who benefit from his coming to earth the second time. And uh, he will uh, mete out judgment upon those who do not know God and who have not responded to the gospel. And uh, this is this is a warning, and yet it's a comfort to those who are believers, who are followers of Jesus, who have obeyed the gospel by putting their faith in the fact that Jesus was their substitute, died on the cross for their sins, and rose again from the grave, and is coming again to retrieve them and uh, uh, leave them from all this persecution. It says, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints. So these people who have rejected God, rejected the gospel, they will pay a penalty. Uh, that is a hard message to preach. That is not a comforting message. It is a warning message. It is a rebuking message to those who do not know God and those who do not believe the gospel of Christ. And uh, this is not an easy message, especially for, for uh, those who, who know that their loved ones or their neighbors or, or any number of other people have not received the gospel, have rejected the gospel, rejected Jesus, and rejected God. He says they have an eternal uh, punishment ahead, uh, uh, an eternal destruction. This is not an annihilation. This is some sort of an, a penalty that will continue to be paid for the rest of eternity. Why? Because there is a moral obligation against an eternal God. And this is the value that, that, uh, that carries even among individual human beings against an eternal God. They carry an eternal uh, uh, destination for their rejection of the gospel. And it says, but he's going to come, verse 10, uh, and to be glorified in his saints. Those are the ones who've believed on Jesus. And on that day, and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. So there is one day a revelation of him. And when he comes to reveal himself to this earth, once again in his return, in his second coming, then you see there is also going to be a judgment that he carries out. And uh, 
and we are assured of that. And and uh, he's going to be returning in his saints or glorified in his saints when he does return. And these are the people who have trusted Christ for their righteousness. These are not saints because they've produced their own righteousness. These are saints because they believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe that his blood has cleansed them from their sin and God has placed on their account the righteousness of Christ as their substitute righteousness. And because of that, they are declared declared to be saints. And uh, uh, Paul has all confidence that this congregation uh, was, uh, uh, was comprised of believers. And he says so. Uh, um, be marveled at. We are going to marvel at the Lord Jesus because he is not going to be what we expected him to be, that carpenter from Nazareth. He's going to be the glorified son of God son of man returning to this earth to rule and to reign as the Messiah King and uh, carry with him the authority of that King and of that status of Messiah. So that is why we marvel at his coming. When he does return, we are looking forward to that. Those are the things, or that is the thing that uh, motivates those believers who face death and martyrdom and persecution and abuse and uh, an injury and torture for the name of Christ, they do so because they have this in mind of one day marveling at the coming of their Savior and their Lord back to this earth to put everything right and in its just place. Thank you, dear Father, for these moments together in your word. And may these words that have been inspired for Paul to write down encourage us today to face the things ahead with composure and with grace and with uh, courage as we look forward to where Jesus returns to set all things right, to raise up those who've trusted in him. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. This is Glendal Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock. <laughs>